Well, good morning, Gresham Bible Church. It's great to see you, uh, great to be together back in this place. I don't know how everybody's feeling today. I've connected with a few of you. Yeah, it's exciting to be back in the morning, right? And it feels maybe a little disorienting too, all of it wrapped into one. We'll just lean into it together. Um, first, in case anyone's feeling nervous about the water and coffee, my family already got a spill over with, so no big deal. Just know that we led the way. Feel free. If an accident happens, it happens. Uh, I just want to give a quick thank you to everyone over these past few weeks, and especially on Friday, who has worked so hard and so faithfully to get us ready to move back here into Dexter. So I want to thank Noel, Jordan, Warren, Carrie, Bethany, the whole group of people that helped on Friday. If everybody could just clap and say thank you. It, it might not seem like a lot of work, but it's a ton of work. And so if you get a chance, please thank all those who so faithfully serve our church family in that way. So if you haven't already done so, please turn to Romans chapter 12. Today we're going to be in verses 9 through 18, and today is our second to last in our One Another series. And each of these One Another passages we've looked at so far this summer, and the last one we'll look at next week, these one another passages, they presuppose, they assume that the Christian life is one that's lived in community. The one another's that we've seen only really work in any kind of tangible, visible way in the life of a local church, like Gresham Bible Church. And in our passage today, we're going to see this reality even more clearly as we consider the command specifically in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, that says to live in harmony with one another. So before we jump in, we're going to do the same thing as last week based on how many kids submitted entries to throw water balloons at Anthony. We love having the kids in service with us, giving the children's ministry workers a break and just to be together in big church. So I'll let you define for yourself what child means But if you're normally in children's ministry service, this is for you. I want you to count how many times I say the word harmony in the sermon. So whether your parents have a little notepad or something you can write on, keep a count of that. And then after service, submit that to me with your name on it. The winner, I can't believe I'm going to do this. The winner is going to throw water balloons at me and Anthony. So I'm joining Anthony in the suffering. We're going to have a united elder team in this. So Count how many times I say the word harmony, and if you win, you not only are going to throw water balloons at Anthony, if you won last week, you're going to get to throw water balloons at me, and that's in our GBC day, August 28th, right after service. All right, so here we go. Let's jump in together. When I say the word flash mob, what comes to your mind? And I'm curious, by a raise of hands, this will be a moment of truth. Has anyone in this room ever actually participated in a flash mob? Yes, Lindsay, Sue, oh, Summer's doing the, yeah, multiple flash mobs for Summer. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. Uh, For any that don't know, a flash mob is a mix of people who appear randomly in public to do something in unison together, right? There's different type of flash mobs. Maybe it's a musical flash mob, or the kind I have in mind is a dance flash mob, right? You've probably seen videos virally on this, just in the middle of public, maybe in the middle of a mall or a public square on a city street, this group of people will randomly 
start dancing in unison together to some song. In, in thinking about this, I found a super interesting fact this week. The largest flash mob that's ever been recorded, the Guinness Book of World Records, is 13,000 people in a city in Mexico doing a flash mob together to Michael Jackson's Thriller. Now, I'm not sure about the song selection. You could probably do better than that, but whatever. But 13,000 people in, ah, whoa, whoa, whoa. 13,000, wow, okay. Okay, note to self, don't make fun of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Uh, But 13,000 people in unison, right? So they're hearing the song, the beat, and they're, they're dancing in unison to that. And the reason that's on my mind is no matter how big or how small the flash mob was in, Lindsay, Sue, Summer, and others, there's something uniting this group of people, isn't there? It might look random or like an eclectic mix of people, but they're functioning like they're of the exact same mind, animated by the same song, living out their unity together. It's the unity and being of the same mind that makes this flash mob so interesting and so compelling. I'm sharing that with you because I think it's a helpful mental picture for us to bring into our text today as we're going to be in Romans chapter, chapter 12, focusing on verse 16 about what it means to live in harmony with one another. So before we begin, please bow your heads with me and let's pray before we go to God and his word. Father, we praise you for today. We praise you for your faithfulness to us as a church, to each of us in this room. We praise you for your steadfast love and your steady, never-failing faithfulness. Father, we need to hear from you today. Give us hearts to confess, repent, and believe. Open your word to us and open us to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so please follow along with me with the Bible in front of you, and I'm going to read for us Romans 12, verses 9 through 18. This is God's word. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So there are three one another's in these verses, 9 through 18. And again, we're going to focus specifically on the one another given in verse 16 to live in harmony with one another. And to really help us see it as Romans intends us to see it, we're going to ask three questions of the text together. So first, we're going to ask, what does it mean to live in harmony with one another? Second, what blocks harmony? And then third, what creates and cultivates harmony? So first, what does it actually mean to live in harmony with one another? And we're going to answer that question 
in the way and in the stream of the argument that the book of Romans would answer it, okay? So what does it mean to live in harmony with one another? Well, right before our text in verses three through eight, Paul drives home this reality that we as Christians are one body, we're members of one another, and that corporate life, our community life, should be done together. So when we hear those verses I just read in verses 9 through 18, we should hear it, of course, as individual Christians, but really the ear we should have is we're to hear these commands for us as a church of what this means to live in this kind of way in community, to live in harmony with one another. So verses 9 through 18, they talk about this Christian community, church life. What does it actually look like, feel like, sound like, taste like? That's the essence of these verses here in 9 through 18. And these marks of the true Christian, of the true Christian community, they're just stacked one on top top of the other. Maybe you heard that when I read it aloud in verses 9 through 18. There's just so many imperatives. It can feel like they're kind of disconnected, like a bunch of just bullet points. But that's not the essence of the argument Paul is making here. So right at the beginning of verse 9, what does Paul lead with in his argument of who we're supposed to be? It's about we're to love one another with a genuine kind of love. That's the backdrop to the command to live in harmony with one another. And then the rest of these imperatives in chapter 12, they add a fresh component, a new look, a new ingredient in the mix of what it means to actually live with one another with genuine love. That's the essence of the argument of the book of Romans here. So the setting, that's the setting. Now we're going to dive into verse 16, okay? And look at verse 16. What does it say? Put the finger on the text in front of you. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So again, the question we're wanting to really get at from the book of Romans is what does it mean to actually live in harmony with one another? What is that look like? What is that about from a biblical perspective? So we're pouring the Bible's meaning into our question, not our own thoughts. So the literal Greek here for harmony, it reads, think the same thing towards one another. So when you hear harmony, it's think the same thing towards one another. That word translated harmony, again, it means mind here in the ESV. There's other translations like the New American Standard that translates it like this. It says, be of the same mind toward one another. So being in harmony with one another means being of the same mind with and for one another. And this idea of mind, it's not just like a cherry on the top of a Chick-fil-A milkshake, right? The milkshake is all of Romans and then, oh, we're supposed to live in harmony. It's just the cherry, whether you can take it or not. No, this is key and central to the actual argument of Romans. This word mind that's translated harmony, it's used seven different times from the beginning of Romans towards the end of Romans. It's a central drumbeat and rhythm to the book. Okay, so that's all well and good. I'm kind of nibbling around the edges. So what does it mean? What does it mean to live in harmony with one another? It means at its very core in a foundational kind of way, it means being of the same mind. Being in harmony means being of the same mind according to God's word. And to help us really see this, to make sure this isn't maybe just a one-off, I want us to look 
at three different verses real briefly just to ground us in this. So first, Romans chapter 12, maybe there's a slide for this, Romans 12, 2, that starts the beginning of the argument here that we're diving into. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your what? Of your mind. Same word translated harmony. Next, Romans 15, 5, the passage that Josh called us in, the call the worship passage today. Romans 15, 15, 5 says this, may the God of endurance grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that word harmony again at the end of Romans, same word, same idea as mind. And then just to make sure we're seeing it, yes, this is Romans, but it's across the New Testament. One other verse that's helpful for us to just have in our minds is Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. You hear mind, you hear harmony. That's what's happening here in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. So living in harmony with one another means being of the same mind with one another. And again, this command, this is an imperative, this isn't optional, it's given to the church at Rome. It's given in a corporate kind of way to the body of Christ. So we could hear all that and nod our heads, that's great. But we could pour our own maybe um, understanding of that in our culture, in our time and place. We could have a misconception about what does it mean to be in harmony, to be of the same mind. What it's not saying is that Christians living in community are all supposed to be the same. That's not what it's saying at all. It's a call for unity that's deeper than sameness and not just sharing the same surface-level preferences. That's human harmony, human being of the same mind. That's not what God's Word is calling us to. And the reason I can say that is because that's the argument, again, of the book of Romans. Okay, We want to ground what we're seeing in verse 16 in chapter 12 by what the book actually tells us. So this harmony and being of the same mind, it expresses itself in the life of the Christian and in the life of the church by living with one another in an understanding kind of way, being of the same mind. And the reason it's not just sameness, if you're just to flip over a page or two in your Bible, Romans chapter 14, what is that all about? It's about living in harmony with one another with a group of Christians who are really different than you who have different set of Christian consciences, different set of preferences, and yet you're still called to live in harmony with one another, to be of the same mind with other Christians who look different than you, that have different preferences than you, then maybe even have some level of different conscience than you. That's the type of people you're to live in harmony and be of the same mind with. So again, it's not sameness, it's harmony right? I'm not a music guy, but I know enough about harmony to know if it was sameness, then harmony wouldn't exist, okay? It's not calling us to sameness. It's calling us to harmony, to be of the same mind with one another, just like that's the argument Paul is making to the church in Rome. So first, we have to understand how this applies to the original audience, then how it applies to us here in Gresham, Oregon in 2022, To live in harmony with one another means to be of the same mind with each other, but not in a sameness kind of way. 
And when you really think about that, okay, okay, great, Mike, that sounds good. It also doesn't mean we're just to check our minds at the door. When we walk through these doors now at Dexter, praise God on Sunday mornings, I haven't said afternoon yet, it doesn't mean that there's this sameness that we check our minds and we just all repeat the same phrases, we all nod like we're some cult that's drinking Kool-Aid. That's not what God's word is calling us to here, right? Oh, it's a harmony that means that we're different, but we're same because we have the same mind towards one another. So it's a call to experience a harmony that's not oppressive, but that's a joyful, freeing, life-giving, not-of-this-world kind of harmony with others. So I say all that, right? What does it mean to live in harmony? It means being of the same mind in this kind of way. But I think if we're all being honest, and I hope we are, is this the kind of harmony that you have experienced in your life? It's not true for me all the time. I'm sure it's not true for you either. So if that's the case, we're called to this being of the same mind, but that's really not our experience. Well, what's happening here? And that brings us to the second question we want to look at here briefly from Romans chapter 12, and that is what blocks harmony? What blocks living with one another in this kind of way, with this kind of harmony? So we've seen that in verse 16, the Christian is to live in harmony with one another. But again, maybe that's not always true of you in your life if you're being honest. Well, how do we reconcile that, right? What's that gap? Why is that? And in one word, we're Christians, so we use this word. It's sin. Sin blocks living in harmony with one another. Again, we're using the argument the understanding of Romans to answer our question. Sin at its core is missing the mark, not meeting God's standard. But when it comes to living in harmony with with others, I think you'd all agree, as I've been reflecting on this, wouldn't you agree that you don't always meet even your own standard to live in harmony with other people? Like we look from afar at different communities or different groups of people, or maybe you even feel this way, even as a member of Gresham Bible Church. Hey, we're called to live in harmony with one another, but they're not living in harmony, or I don't feel in harmony with them. So when we think about harmony, we, that standard we put on others, we often don't even live to it fully ourselves. So sin is missing God's standard, but it's also, if we're being honest, we miss our own standard in living in harmony too. So sin, in its very nature, it blocks harmony with one another. Because what does the essence of sin do? What's its focus? Ourselves, right? So sin makes us the center of our own universe. The book of Romans calls this unrighteousness. That's what's happening here. It's hard to live in harmony with others, to be of the same mind as others, when we're thinking about ourselves too highly and thinking about ourselves too much. Okay, that's what's happening here. Sin really it contaminates this kind of harmony we're called to live into. And it just eliminates the possibility of real, biblical, gospel-informed harmony. Sin contaminates that kind of harmony, that kind of community. And the reason why, again, is because sin, it bends us inward upon ourselves. Have you ever, my kids did this, they thought it was funny, it wasn't funny. They show me, hey, look, Dad, I can bend a spoon, and it just bends itself. Oh, great, that's funny. But that's what sin does to us. It bends us inward upon ourselves. And when we're bent inward upon ourselves, we can't live in harmony with others. 
So again, use the language of, of the book of Romans. Probably a lot of you are thinking of different phrases of Romans. Think of Romans 8. What does it say? Until we're in Christ Jesus, our default setting is to live in the flesh and to set our minds, right? That's the key central idea. We set our minds of the flesh, and that means that it's death. Our mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God, and that it can't even please God. So this this sinfulness that bends us inward on ourselves, that's a kind of mind we have. It's a mind that doesn't allow us to live in harmony and be of the same mind with others. And again, if we're being honest, and we're an honest kind of church, doesn't sin fracture us and our own minds and hearts too? It's hard to be in harmony with others when you're not even in harmony with yourself. That's what's happening with sin. So we're called to live in harmony with one another, but sin gets in the way in our own hearts and with others. So until, there's this argument that's happening in Romans, I'm just trying to tee it up for us. Until we're in Christ Jesus, left to ourselves, we don't live in harmony with others. We're not of the same mind with others. In fact, do you know what we do, how we live with other people? We use them. We make other people serve us and trying to build up our own self-image to prop ourselves up. That's the opposite of the kind of harmony the book of Romans is calling us to. So in and of ourselves, we seem incapable of living into this command, this imperative, this charge, this call in verse 16. Because if we live into it, it's only in a way that's self-focused and selfish. So we've seen two questions so far. What is living in harmony with one another? It's being of the same mind, but, and then there's all these things we bring to the table as humans. So how do we actually live into what God's word is calling us to? So when you think about it, we need to really diagnose the heart of this problem. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer diagnoses this. In his famous classic book, if you haven't read it, read it, his book, Life Together, he says this that blocks this kind of harmony we're called to. What's the blockage? Bonhoeffer says, Without Christ, we would not know our brother, nor could we come to him. The way is blocked by our own ego. So what blocks this kind of harmony? Our ego. Our predisposition is to live with others in a kind of way that bends it inward upon ourselves. That is not consistent or in alignment with this kind of harmony that we're being called into in Romans chapter 12. And just to make sure you don't think I'm kind of like reading into it or taking this as a jumping off point, it's the very argument in verse 16. What's the second half of verse 16 say? Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So kids, haughty means to be arrogant and that you feel superior to others. So if in the second half of verse 16, if you're haughty, if you're not associating with the lowly, if you find yourself always being really wise in your own eyes, it's because you're not in harmony. So what blocks harmony with one another? Wouldn't you agree with me? It's our sin. It's our ego. It's our unrighteousness. That's what God's word is bringing out to the surface in all of us. When we aren't living in harmony with one another as fellow Christians, 
when we're not of the same mind with each other here in this even this local expression, this local church family, it's because we've put our own interests first instead of the interest of others. It's because we're bent inward upon ourselves and that negates harmony. It can't exist in that environment. So what do we do with this? Harmony sounds so positive, so interesting. Wow, Mike, I thought in our first Sunday back we are going to be talking about harmony. It's going to be so uplifting and what is happening? Well, this brings us to the third point that we're going to see from Romans chapter 12 and the argument of Romans about living in harmony with one another and what should mark God's people. So in order to actually live in harmony, we have to be in tune with something outside of ourselves because sin bends us inward on ourselves. And we have to be about something more compelling than ourselves. Our minds have to be rightly calibrated and our hearts have to be set to the right frequency in order to live in the kind of harmony that Romans calls us to. So what do we have to be in tune with? This brings us to the third question we're going to see together. What creates and what cultivates this kind of harmony? What creates and what cultivates living in harmony with one another? And what does is living a life that's in view of the mercies of God. That's the argument that comes right before our text in Romans chapter 12. The charge to live in harmony with one another, it flows right out of the beginning of the chapter in verses 1 and 2. So if you have a Bible in front of you, maybe on your phone, your app, flip over real quick to Romans chapter 12. If you don't already have these verses memorized, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the Christian and the church are to live in harmony with one another in view of the mercies of God that's right there in verse 1 in chapter 12. So we're connecting that to our verse in verse 16. We're to be of the same mind towards one another because we're being transformed by the renewal of our minds by the mercies of God. That's the only way to be of the same mind with one another is to live in view of the mercies of God. So here's the point. You can't actually live in real harmony with one another until you're in harmony with God. That's the essence of all of this when you boil it all down. You can't be of the same mind with one another unless you have the mind of God. And the only way to be in harmony with God is to have the wages of our sin, the wages of our ego, the wages of our unrighteousness paid by the perfect work of Jesus paid through the free gift of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, to use the language of Romans. So the only hope for our harmony problem is nothing less and nothing more than the gospel. It's the mercies of God. That's the argument that's happening throughout Romans and that undergirds our text here in Romans chapter 12. It's gospel doctrine. A lot of you know this. In chapters 1 through 11 in the book of of Romans, and then chapters 12 through 16, it's living a life in response to that gospel doctrine, to living a gospel kind of life. So if we're not living in harmony with one another as Christians, it's because we have gospel amnesia. We've forgotten. 
we've not had the mercies of God in view. And then we get bent inwards on ourselves and we're not in tune with one another. We're not living in harmony with one another. We're not of the same mind as one another. Really like functionally, practically, kind of like in the gears of your heart, if we're not living in harmony with one another, we've forgotten who Jesus is, what he's done, and who we are in light of it. That's the essence of what we see here in Romans chapter 12. Because this command to live in harmony with one another is a call for us to be who we already are in Jesus. It's just a call to be, hey, be who you are. Live in harmony with one another. And as as I was thinking about this, just a, a real quick, I think, practical application so we don't assume it, this is why we're called to not forget the gathering of the saints, as is the habit of some because we're forgetful. So we need to be reminded often, every day, every week when we gather of the gospel of the mercies of God, by singing God's mercies together in song, by hearing about it in God's word preached, and coming to the table to tangibly remember the mercy of God through Jesus. This helps us remember, and then in response to that, we live in harmony with one another. So the question we're asking is, okay, that's all well and good, Mike, that sounds good, but what creates and cultivates this kind of Christian harmony. Well, isn't God's word crystal clear? It's only the gospel that creates and that cultivates this kind of harmony. Because if sin is what gets in the way of it, the only cure for sin is the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. So this kind of unity that God's word calls us into isn't a harmony, again, that can be created or cultivated by our own works right? Don't we all kind of yearn and want and desire like a community that's really life-giving, where I can come and be fully known and fully loved? That's the kind of community we want, but in our humanness, we try to pull different levers to bring that about, right? I think you'd probably agree with me in our day and age, in our cultural moment, isn't that what politics is trying to do? Identity politics try to divide people into camps who can be in harmony with another and say how wrong everybody else is. Okay, This kind of harmony we're called to live into, new branding strategies or techniques won't get us there. It's only the gospel that does. Because only the gospel can create and cultivate this kind of harmony that we see from Romans. So it's tempting to think like in our fracturing world, we all want to live in harmony right? Okay, maybe if I can just create the right environment or the right formula, this group of people will live in perfect harmony with each other. That will not end well. The only thing that creates a kind of harmony that God calls us to is none other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God calls us to this supernatural harmony, and that means it has to have a supernatural source, doesn't it? Because anything less than the gospel will be off Whether it's one degree or 180 degrees, you're going to be off from the kind of harmony God calls us to here. To put an edge on it, J.C. Ryle said this about unity, about harmony. He said, unity without the gospel is a worthless unity. It is the very unity of hell. So nothing less than the gospel can bring about this perfect harmony, this kind of unity that God calls us to. 
And you know what's absolutely amazing? And sometimes we just get too familiar with it, but it should stop us dead in our tracks and make us get on our knees. This closeness, this harmony that God calls us to, it was purchased by the very blood of Jesus on the cross. It's not something we can earn or that we perform better into. It's given to us as a free gift because of the performance of Jesus. That's the essence of this kind of harmony we're talking about. So I want to I want to press our minds into this a little bit to get us out of maybe like Christianese phrases you've heard. So God calls us into this true, beautiful, perfect kind of harmony. Think about where that comes from. What's the source? Isn't it from the harmony our triune God had from all of eternity prior? Think about how beautiful that is. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit living in perfect harmony with one another. But then what happens? The fall, right? The beginning of the story, Genesis chapter 3, where man chooses his way over God's way. And then what happens? Sin alienates man from God and man from one another. So now there's disharmony everywhere you look. Disharmony vertically with God and disharmony horizontally with one another. So in order to bring sinners back to harmony with himself, what does God do? It requires a very severe mercy for God to give us this kind of perfect harmony he calls us to. So Jesus, the sinless Son of God, comes to offer himself as the sinless sacrifice so that a great exchange could happen, like Romans tells us about. That God the Father would place our unrighteousness, our sin, our inward bent on ourselves, on his perfect Son, Jesus, on the cross, so that all who believe in Jesus can be given the life of his righteousness and have harmony with God forever and ever and ever ever for all of eternity. That's beautiful. This harmony God calls us to is the very harmony he had in eternity past and that he gave of himself to call us to himself, to bring us into the harmony that he has had from eternity past. That's Christian harmony. This harmony Jesus offers us and calls us into wouldn't you agree with me? It's not a cheap kind of harmony. It required the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So at the cross, Jesus, the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, was cast off so that we could be brought near to God in harmony. Ephesians 2.13 says it like this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And this fullness, this gospel kind of unity being brought near and into, it not only brings us near to God, it brings us into a people. It brings us into the church. Like this gospel, think about it with a community lens on the fullness and beauty of the gospel. So remember, what does being in harmony mean? I should see more kids counting. Harmony, I just gave you an extra credit one. Harmony means being of the same mind with one another. So how can we actually do that? Doesn't that feel kind of strange, being of the same mind? Like there's the mothership above and it's controlling us of the same mind. But when we press into the beauties of the gospel, we see 
how the gospel empowers this kind of living with this harmony of being of the same mind. The command of Romans 12, 16, it only makes sense through the gospel. That's the only way it makes sense and you can actually do what God's word is commanding you to do. And this is because through the gospel, the root problem of our harmony is perfectly dealt with. Our sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. And through the gospel, then we start to see one another through gospel lenses too, don't we? And we can live in humility with one another as we see one another through the gospel. So we can be of the same mind because Jesus is the head of his church and through the gospel, we're in Christ, to use the language. In Christ Jesus, the language of Romans. We're in his body, the church. So we can have the same mind of Christ because we're actually in Christ through the gospel. The mind we're to have towards one another is the mind that Jesus has towards us. That's what's happening here in Romans. Only in the gospel are we brought into harmony, again, with God vertically, so that we can be in harmony, be of the same mind with one another horizontally, the one anothering that we're called to live into. And this is because living in harmony with one another is really loving one another with the cross-shaped love of Jesus. That's the genuine love that preceded us, that started our our section here in verse 9. Genuine love is loving one another with the cross-shaped love of Jesus. So this means that the basis of our harmony, right? Harmony has like this musicalness to it. I don't know what's happening here. Sorry for this. Um, it has this musicalness to it. And how we live in harmony with one another is keeping our eyes on the conductor. That's Jesus. And having the sheet music in front of us. And that's God's word. That's how we live in harmony one another in a Christian gospel-focused kind of way. So what creates and cultivates the kind of harmony God's people are to have for one another? Again, it's only the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in all of this, again, I want us to come away with what we're being called into here, what we're being commanded, the imperativeness of verse 16. Jesus is calling us to live in this kind of way because we already have this unity, this harmony in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not adding anything to it. We're not bringing something out of ourselves that Jesus didn't already give us through his spirit because we know Jesus. So living in harmony with one another means being who we already are. We're members of one another through the gospel. So therefore, live in harmony with one another. So maybe you're here today as we kind of move to a close here, looking at Romans 12, 16 and the command to live in harmony with one another. Maybe you're here and maybe nobody knows this, but you actually don't worship Jesus. And if that's you and you're not a Christian, we, Gresham Bible Church, are so glad you're here. There's no better place than the church to look into the claims of Jesus and actually see how Christians do this Christian kind of life with one another. And if that's you... I'm really curious what you think about what Romans is saying about this kind of harmony. Maybe this even strikes you as strange, because it kind of is. Maybe it even sounds too good to be true, that you can actually have harmony with other people, with one another. And if that's you, I want to encourage you that only trusting in Jesus in the kind of way you've heard about from Romans is going to satisfy the deepest desire of your heart to be in harmony. 
There's no other way to get to the root of solving the deepest desire of your heart to be fully known and fully loved, to be in harmony with your creator and with other people than through the cross of Jesus. And if that's you and you haven't believed in Jesus yet, again, we're really glad you're here. It's a great place for you to be and consider who Jesus is. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to talk with whoever you came with, talk with anyone you've seen up here up front, talk with me. We at Gresham Bible Church would love to talk with you about Jesus, okay? And as we close, I want to leave us with what does it actually mean to live in harmony with one another in view of the mercies of God? I want you, if you are a Christian, to uh, consider what this actually looks like in your life. Not in theory, but are you actually living in harmony with one another? Are you of the same mind as one another, Gresham Bible Church? This charge is applied in a community kind of way. And if you're, you're feeling maybe today, maybe the Holy Spirit and God's grace is convicting you, is pricking you, that I'm not living in this kind of way. That's not true of me. I would encourage you in view of the gospel to confess and repent, right? Praise God, his mercies are new every morning and his faithfulness is great. So that's how we respond when we hear this kind of word in and through the gospel. So as we close, maybe some of you are familiar with this. What does it actually mean to live in harmony with one another? A.W. Tozer said this about the unity and harmony that's only found in the gospel and what that looks like and how it's brought about in community as other people. So Tozer said this, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. So the only way to live in unity with one another, to be of the same mind with one another, is in view of the mercies of God, and then we actually experience that kind of gospel harmony together. Please bow your heads with me and let's close in prayer. Father, we praise you for your mercies. We praise you for your glorious gospel. May we live in light of it, stable and steadfast, not shifting our hope from the gospel. Lord, if there are any here today that haven't yet trusted in you, I pray you will draw them to yourself by your spirit. May they know the life and the joy that only comes through Jesus. Lord, I pray you will continue to foster in us the kind of harmony we looked at today. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. May we not be ashamed of the gospel. May our lives be marked by your mercy, and may we display your glory as we live in harmony with one another. We ask all of this in the perfect name of Jesus. Amen.